Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Sherelle McMillan. You're listening to the Inside Carolina podcast, Instant Analysis. Carolina 82, Davidson 60, Sherelle. I believe that's probably the definition of the cliche workmanlike performance for the Tar Heels. Yeah, it's funny because uh, we have been over the last few weeks talking to different people, trying to figure out, you know, what does break means? Is it good for them? Is it good to play, you know, basically once a week over the last month? Um, so they have chance to get in practice and kind of establish roles and get more comfortable with each other. Or is it better to just go ahead and play games and kind of uh, be baptized, for lack of a better term, uh, through game action? And I think what we're seeing is that, you know, they, they came out really kind of lackadaisical, I think, in the first probably 13 or 14 minutes of the game. Uh, I believe Davidson got up by five. It was 24-19, I think, at one point. And then from there on, you know, talent kind of took over. They started playing defense better, and it looked looked like a better team. So I just wonder if, uh, you know, playing every, you know, once a week makes those first, you know, 12 or 13 or 14 minutes of the game uh, look a little disjointed, look a little uh, lackadaisical at times. Yeah, it's funny. I watched uh, or saw Lavelle Moten talking about laughing about that post-Christmas practice and about how bad his team looked. And I'm sure every team goes through that, especially with Carolina's schedule. You mentioned it. That's, what, the fourth game in December. And then after Christmas, everybody goes home for a while. They come back. That first, whatever it was, five or six, seven minutes when they were down 24-19 was certainly that. Yeah, and uh, they're learning. You know, it's it's different because you, you got a chance to go home, like you said. You had a chance to kind of relax, take a break from basketball. I'm not sure if they got back. Wednesday or Thursday, um, but there wasn't like there was a ton of practice time between the Kentucky game and between today. A lot of those guys went home or flew home, you know, directly from Chicago. Uh, some went back to North Carolina and then went home, but pretty much everybody was gone <laughs> off campus by Sunday. Um, so it, it just took a little bit for them to get back into the groove of the game. But I liked what I saw, honestly, um, after those first few minutes, because, you know, the defense um, still wasn't great, but I, I would say that it looked a lot better. Uh, it looked more energized, um, and it to me, it seemed like everything kind of keyed off of that Nasir little uh, dunk. The energy really kind of picked up in the Smith Center after that play, and, you know, they were on their way from there. So, um, you know, a good win, you know, like you said, workmanlike, um, and they needed it because of the way they played last week, and now you hope they are ready to kind of gear things up and get ready to be playing, you know, the, the ACC schedule after they play Harvard uh, next week. So Davidson's up 24-19 at the nine-minute mark of the first half. Carolina outscores them, I guess, by 27 since then. One thing, Sherelle, that I noticed in the ball game, um, you know, and they made a big deal out of Kobe White's hair later in the broadcast. I guess they were running out of things to talk about. But he seemed a lot more subdued or not subdued, but and I don't want to say in control because he's always played at a at a frenetic pace, but he didn't do that as much in this ball game as he has in the past. I wonder, is that something that maybe Roy Williams has talked to him about, or maybe Kobe's just growing up a little bit, knowing when to pick his spots. I, I think, you know, it probably was a combination of the two in, in, in life in general, you know, you talk about uh, when people hire coaches, they tend to hire the coach who was the opposite of the last coach they had. So if you had a defensive coach who maybe was tight, then you hire an offensive coach who's maybe 
you know, more of a player's guy. I think that's what happened with Kobe in that last week he kind of played his way and it didn't go that well. He had a lot of turnovers. It wasn't his best game. So I think he maybe came out with a mindset in this game. I'm going to be very in control. I'm going to be even more selective than I usually am um, about when to shoot, when not to shoot. And I'm going to make an effort to get into the paint and dish out to my teammates for basket. So I think maybe he kind of overcorrected to the other end from um, his uber aggressive self, you know, back to the other end to being more in control, prototypical point guard. So I think for North Carolina to be great, they need him to be somewhere in the middle. But I mean, you can't, you know, Roy Williams isn't going to argue with seven assists, seven assists and three turnovers for Kobe. You know, he won't like one for seven shooting for seven points, but he'll take the seven rebounds. He'll take the seven assists. And he'll even take the three uh, turnovers. Um, so I think he just has to come back towards the middle. You can kind of see, you know, his point guard skills in this game and you've seen his scoring skills. So just merge those together. And that's why, you know, Roy has been so high on him the entire time. Seven points, seven assists, seven rebounds in 27 minutes. You're right. The three turnovers, um, especially the ones he had today, were not as troublesome as the, as the ones he's had in the last couple games they've lost. Um, let's talk about Cam Johnson a little bit. And we've talked about him a lot. Um, well, not as much as maybe we should. Uh, he's the best guy on this team, right? He, he's become the best player on this North Carolina team. You think that? Yeah, I mean, he's played like it thus far. I mean, through 12 games, I, I don't think that's really up for debate uh, just because he's been so aggressive, uh, you know, hunting a shot. And that, I think, is a little surprising because last year there was a lot of uh, uh, deference to Joel Berry and to even Theo Pinson and to Luke May. So, you know, you could argue last year that even though he is not much different of a player outside of the health stuff, but his style is still the same, you could argue he was kind of the fourth option on the team last year. And now I think it's pretty clear that he is at least one, you know, one B at minimum and probably number one, you know, to Luke May. So it's been fun to watch him uh, become the, the guy on the team because I don't know if he's really ever been that before in his years at Pittsburgh. You know, they had uh, Jeter and some of those guys at Pittsburgh and now in North Carolina, this is the first time and he's kind of doing really well in the role. Um, you know, it, it, it's hard to argue that he's the best player in the team so far this year. And they have to keep him playing at the level he is. And then everybody else has to come up and kind of match that for North Carolina to go where it wants to go. And I thought Garrison Brooks looked pretty good. He had 11, but only three rebounds. And you know, I'm a guy, Big's got to have more rebounds than just three, but he did some nice things. He still does some head scratching things as well. But yeah, I think, I think we're at the point where if Carolina's going to get uh, production they need out of a big it's going to be brooks without a doubt your thoughts on his performance today yeah and if if he can give you know the 11 points is fine but to your point i think so two things part of the reason he only had you know a, a few boards because luke may was kind of gobbling him up um and north carolina you know shot the ball pretty well for 44 uh, I, I guess not great but they shot it okay um and he got in foul trouble, so he didn't play as many minutes. He only played 16 minutes. Um, so that's part of the reason he only had a, a few rebounds. But I think for UNC, they would trade a few of those points for rebounds. So if he could be somewhere more like eight points and eight rebounds, I think that would um, do more for what they want to do. Because I think it's obvious, you know, it's it's not going to be a team where you can throw the ball into the post, you know, 20 or 30 times have Brooks and, and Manley back their guys down and, and give you, you know, a whole bunch of points in the paint. They can still generate points in the paint. They're just going to have to be as finishers, not as primary offensive weapons. And uh, that's what, you know, Garrison Brooks has gotten a lot better at over last year is 
finishing around the basket. He wasn't terrible last year, but he's he's gotten a lot better at it. And he's you know he's making a decent amount of his free throws. I think today he was oh he's one to one. He just shot one free throw. So he you know he's doing a good job once he gets fouled and you know converting at the free throw line. So I think that's all positives. Um, what they need from him is just rebounding, the occasional block shot, and finishing around the basket. And if he can give them that, then you know I, I still think this team can go a long way into the tournament. It's interesting, and it sort of when I look at the numbers, I sort of see the difference in a, a savvy veteran versus a guy that's still learning the game. Uh, Davidson shot thirty-eight three-pointers, so there's going to be a ton of long rebounds. May was there to get a lot of those rebounds. Brooks, uh, not you know, it, I mean, only three, and you expect the long rebounds. May with fourteen, eleven and fourteen, which you know. Uh, 11 and 14 for May, I think. He needs a little f- few more points in ACC play. But if he's going to average a double-double, I think he's solid. But it, it's just fascinating for me to watch him know where to go on long rebounds. And that's something Brooks will learn as well. And we'll learn from Luke May. And that's one of the things people always talked about Luke May is that um, – and not trying to be cliche because he's athletic and he can do a lot of things. But they've always talked about his positioning and the angles he takes. Uh, we were talking to um, – we'll just call him a basketball insider. Um, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. But he knows a lot about basketball. He knows a lot about North Carolina. He knows a lot about the NBA. He knows a lot about basketball in general. And he uh, just talked about the angles that Luke May takes on things, whether it's rebounding, the way he screens, the way he comes off of screens. And that makes up for whatever deficits he has in athleticism um, just by the, by the angles he uses. And he can get to his spot a little bit easier, uh, half a second quicker, which in rebounding – along with desire is kind of the whole deal. Uh, so um, like you said, you know, they need more scoring from him. Um, you'd like to see him better than three of nine from the field, but you know, with the 14 rebounds and he's starting to come alive, I think we'll see him get better just as they just get more comfortable as they get more time on the court uh, together. I think you'll see Luke May's numbers come up as well. Nas Little, we. this is a guy we talk about all the time. The, the Nas Little portion of the program. Yes, and <laughs> now we'll transition into that portion of your daily program. I mean, four for five from the field, two for two from the free throw line. I like that a lot. You know, three rebounds, he could get more, two. He looked out of position a few times, but he looked more comfortable, at least on the offensive end, I thought, for the most part. Yeah, I think with him, it's just all confidence. I, I, just talking to a, a number of people on and off the record, kind of what you hear is confidence, is that um, he just needs to you know, figure out exactly what it is they want him to do. And, and I think to some degree, they have kind of figure out how they want to use him. And then once they do that, he can go out and do those things and be really good at those things. And I think you saw some of it. I mean, it was a, he had a nice uh, you know, shot from the baseline. He had obviously the, the dunk. Um, the which is a follow rebound, just him running the court, followed and, and had a great play. Uh, a couple of steals, a couple of good rebounds. It's just feeling more comfortable. The free throws probably honestly helped. I was talking to someone and said, maybe this will get him going just to see, you know, the whole cliche of see the ball go through the basket. And, you know, he played well after that. And uh, his stat line, which is, is pretty much what it's been for the season, which is very efficient, four or five from the field, 10 points, you know, a few rebounds and a couple of assists. And um, I think that bodes well, just the more comfortable he gets, you know, we know the type of player, the type of talent and the type of potential that he has. And I think we're getting closer just as he becomes more confident to him realizing that potential. And uh, a part of the run, you know, when it was 24, 19, I think they ended up being up by 11 and a half. So 
Um, let me do quick math. They had scored in my 16 to close the half. A lot of that was when Nasir was in the game. Uh, when he came in, I think he had the highest plus minus on the team at 12. So that tells you the positive impact to some degree that he had on the game. And I think that's a good way for him to build towards Harvard and then starting ACC play against Pittsburgh next weekend. I'm going to put you in a box here and I'm going to ask you what is real at the end of 2018, what is realistic? Uh, what can Carolina fans realistically expect from Nas Little numbers wise from here on out? Oh, I, I think his numbers can continue to go up. I mean, he's he's averaging 11 points a game, which for a freshman at Carolina uh, is is not terrible at all. I mean, there's there's been, you know, other talented players at North Carolina who didn't come close to 11 points per game as a freshman. Um, so I think that is, uh, you know, I think I see he's in a good spot there. Let's put it that way. I think that can come up some um, as ACC battles get tougher and you, you kind of need additional skill sets to score as things kind of bog down. I think he can help in that regard. I think his rebounding numbers can come way up just because, um, he has athleticism that, you know, Roe Williams has said he really hasn't coached before that other players on the team has said that they haven't really seen before. And he can use that to help him uh, rebound. And, you know, when you rebound, there's an easier chance to get second chance points and to get free throws. So to me, for him, you know, rebounding is, is really key because it'll affect everything else as far as scoring, as far as his defense, um, as far as uh, his ability to play in games and, and get more minutes. I know a lot of people, I was trying to follow some of the Inside Carolina uh, game thread, and it's kind of hectic to try to do both. And uh, But a lot of people were talking about the rotation. And um, I heard or I read something to the effect of Carolina's best game was Gonzaga, and that's when the, the uh, rotation was the tightest. But when Roy Williams plays as many guys as he did tonight, and I think one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten guys maybe had double-figure minutes – a guy like Brandon Robinson comes in, hits a couple threes, um, gets one or two free throws, seven points in 10 minutes. Those are the type uh, – I think those type performances are why Roy Williams does what he does in November and December because those win ball games in, in January, February, and March. Yeah, and you know, no, no disrespect to Davidson or anything, but Gonzaga is a better team than Davidson. So, of course, the rotation will be smaller against Gonzaga. You know, I, I think I think Roy Williams, he wants, as you said, he wants to see how people react to different situations. We all know that. He's explained that time after time, that he likes to play 9, 10, 11, 12 guys kind of early on in the season, and then the rotation will shrink. And, um, you know, Brandon Robinson, who knows? You know, there could be a game against Florida State uh, in – February or a game against Miami, you know, whenever, where, you know, Cameron Johnson is in foul trouble. He's got three fouls in the first half and, uh, you know, no one else is really doing anything. And then in comes Brandon Robinson, who hits two threes and keeps UNC in the game. We've seen that happen so many times over the years from Luke May to Jackson Simmons to Dexter Strickland to Leslie McDonald against Duke. You know, guys just they have to play in order to learn how to play. And I think that's why he does what he does, because you never know what situation you'll encounter in ACC play. I mean, you can have they've since I can remember they've won games in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. And I don't know if they won a game where both teams scored 100 points since I've been alive in the ACC. I'm sure they have. But the point is, you never know what you're going to get in the ACC. You never know what time, type of game it's going to be. You never really have a feel until you get into it. And if guys are trained during the preseason, um, during 
you know, non-conference games, then maybe they'll have a better chance to help the team out in an adverse situation come February or March. So that, that's obviously his philosophy. Um, but the rotation will shrink. It shrinks every year once uh, UNT gets to ACC play. Last question or last couple of questions. Let's talk a little bit about the defensive effort. You mentioned it earlier. Davidson shot 30%, did not have their best player, um, which in the pregame, it, it made it sound like he was going to play. So it's surprising that he didn't. But 30% overall, I think they were 10 for 38 from three-point range. A couple things on that. And, and you know how I am being a cynic a little bit. Davison shot poorly, but they had a lot of good shots, especially, I believe, number 35. If he could finish around the basket at all, they would have shot a better percentage. But your thoughts on Carolina's uh, holistic defense against Davison? I, you know, I'm curious to see how, you know, once it's charted and everything's written down and looked at numbers-wise, what it, what it comes out is. But I, I thought it was, you know, significantly better than either of the last couple of games against Gonzaga um, or or uh, Kentucky. I, I thought it just looked better. And the thing people say, well, yeah, it's Davidson. The other thing you have to realize is that Bob McKillop is a great coach and there's a reason he has the reputation he has. And again, talking to people who know basketball a lot more than I do, they say there are a few teams who are prepared, as prepared as Davidson, a few teams who run their stuff as well as Davidson does. And I, I think North Carolina just took it out of them. Part of that might be familiarity because they play Davidson so often. So they've gotten used to what Davidson does, but, you know, I thought the effort, you know, after those first few minutes was great. It, it weaned, you know, it, it weaned a little bit in the second half when they cut it to 15. Um, but for the most part, you know, I thought they rotated well. There were a couple uh, back doors that they left wide open, you know, a couple shots that, you know, guys probably normally would have made, but overall I thought it was much better. And then I thought <clears throat> after the, <laughs> the initial turnover barrage in the first half, I guess it was the first 15 minutes, they did a really good job of protecting the ball as well. And those are the two, uh, kind of biggest things I think that will limit them from going where they want to go is their defense and uh, turnovers. And, you know, today was a good one. They have to build on that for Harvard and then build for that for Pittsburgh. Indeed. Carolina wraps the 2018 portion of the schedule, 82 to 60 over Davidson. Harvard, I believe January 2nd is what, Tuesday, or excuse me, Wednesday, and then the ACC tournament or ACC slate starts weekend after next it's going to be uh, a brutal run i saw four acc teams in the top 10 and none of those were named north carolina it's going to be a crazy slate sherelle appreciate you taking time to join me appreciate you taking time to do this in 2018 i'm sure 2019 should be just as fun yeah looking forward to it and uh, acc play starts and off we go it'll be march before you know it indeed carolina 82 davidson 60 we'll talk again soon Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.